Hi, my name is Jamie, and this is my co-host Mel. The three other Phantasm movies I had to watch to understand what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and we're cheap horrors. Cheap horrors! so excited to do this recording for the second time part two part two yeah phantasm part two part two part two part two, part two. that sounds pretty part two part two yeah we're well, just gonna make it a nice little luncheon a nice little tea and crumpet moment part two part two darling we've we've recorded more in the last two weeks than we have in the last six months true <laughs> It's true. And we deserve it. We deserve this happening to us right now. Um, you know what? I'm thinking that um, Phantasm cursed me. Mm. And that's why. So if everybody's wondering why we're a little late, <laughs> welcome to the show. But <laughs> <laughs> we're also a little late because we recorded part two already. And um, I wasn't I was recording through my laptop speakers. And also Mel's audio is randomly missing 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's what happens whenever you try and rip off streaming services by making multiple email accounts, I guess. Mm. And also I think I'm cursed because when we first started this film, I shit on it a bit. And in our original part two recording, I definitely think I shit on it a lot. And now that we had some time to um record this again i decided to have a movie marathon night and i watched phantasm part two part three and part four and you love it i have i i i think i might love phantasm now or i just want to fuck reggie one or the other <laughs> <laughs> he's so fucking hot i want to lick and his goddamn scalp i wish i could tell you everything but i don't want to because i i need you to watch phantasm two at least but so I went on Reddit and I asked people, you know, I really hope that the background noise of my dog chewing this bone is cut off. But um, no, it's that's, that's horror, man. The sound of teeth against bone. That is the <laughs> background of our lives. I should have it brought my the... microphone into the bathroom with me right now when I was just throwing up right before this episode. You want to talk about cursed, honey? <laughs> yeah, well, that, let's continue on with that curse. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> either way, though, Reddit, apparently part two is the best out of all of them and I do have to agree I loved part two part three is kind of like you know in Star Wars how there's like a trilogy mm -hmm. and the middle one is kind of like more boring because it has more storyline I guess or whatever some would um, call it's kind of like that it's a filler but it's mainly just them so it's three movies of them chasing the tall man and a lot of people coming back from the dead and dying and coming back from the dead without any explanation. Like, I thought Jody died. I thought this person died. And I thought that didn't happen. It turns out that this whole movie is a very dream-based. It is a fever dream. That's exactly what it is, Mel. That's exactly what this is. Nothing is meant to make sense. But I did read that part four is where we actually get some answers. And I did get my answers. Good. And you know what phantasm is? 
it's the 1970 late 80s early 80s mid 80s late 80s actually goes all the way until like 2016 is the last movie i think that's crazy but it's like um a weird version of dark oh we're just we're time traveling and yeah everybody's related time traveling dimensional jumping things like that following your aunt all over again for the first time yeah, it, it, it they and you know what though? Here's the thing. Don Cosarelli, Cosarelli. Um kudos to you because the one thing I will say about all four movies is there's scenes from the first like the first filming that are in okay, how do I explain this? They filmed in advance. So basically Mike when he's young, mm-hmm. right? They recorded a bunch of other things for the next movies. That's so amazing. in part four, you get parts that you don't get in Phantasm One that, you know, add to the storyline. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, so he had all four. Well, I mean, there's more movies, but he had at least maybe the original four all plotted out. That's amazing. From the beginning. So either that or he's a genius and somehow like just had scenes that he was like, maybe this the will fit in here. Who knows? He's either a genius or a madman. Or both. both. They both always men, are they, both. They always, they always veer on each other. They toe the line, the fine line between genius and insanity. Exactly. But now tell me about your curse, Mel, before we get going. My curse is if this is the new strain of COVID, holy fucking shit. I caught whatever this disease is probably off of um, this little Lord of the Rings slot machine in the corner of a Vegas gambling <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> It, nobody was playing it. Aaron said it was the worst game, but I loved it. I lost hundreds of dollars. And um, I guess, I don't know if they maybe forgot about him over off in the corner and didn't wipe him down or, you know, maybe. It was That's fandom random, right there. Maybe, maybe it's a random guy who tried to like take me to the bathroom at some dive bar that Aaron and I were at where we were like, sir, you have to stop. Um, he was like sucking my cheek. Uh, maybe he did it. Somebody um, sucked I, your cheek, Mel. So I doubt he'll ever listen to this. <laughs> Tell me everything. Okay, so there's this guy called, oh no, why did I forget his name? It's not Jack. It's, oh, Zach, Zachary. Um, he claimed to be a war vet who does uh, what, uh, self-defense classes for children who also does Muay Thai, who also is a drummer. And he made friends with Aaron and I. He bought us shots. Is he a DJ too? He honestly, that's probably on the list. That's probably on the list. But he kept like slipping in and out of reality a little bit. So that was scary. Um, because, you know, PTSD is real. Like, if Oh my God, the chart- demons were coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if somebody dropped a chair like behind us, I'd be like, what if he thinks, you know, sounds of war? You know, big bangs and stuff. But anyways, um, he like tried to give us half of his pizza. He like made us rip it in half. And we're like, we need to go. Like, we've got dinner reservations with my parents. And he's like, so where are we going? Like, it's only 6 p.m. We're like, uh, Zach, I think we, <laughs> anyways, he, I said I had to piss. So I, I was leaving to head to the bathroom and he literally put his arm out. Like, you know, you know, when the guys do the little arm hook for you to hook their arms. Yes. And I turned yeah. to him and very certainly was like. I was like, Zach, you do not have to walk me to the bathroom. And then later on, he was like trying to like 
touch on my neckline. And Aaron was like, Zach, you can point, but you cannot touch. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, then before we left, he like, you know, went in for a hug. We're like, yeah, very nice to meet you. We're trying to get the fuck out of there before he followed us. And uh, yeah, he started like sucking on my cheek. And I was like, oh, my God. But no, but, but Mel, I need to know how he got like to your cheek. <laughs> because he went in for a hug. So we're like, nice okay. to meet you, Zach. And he all of a sudden like started sucking on my cheek. So I moved my head. I moved my head back. I'm like, Aaron, we've like, we gotta go. We've gotta fucking go. <laughs> and then luckily the really pretty bartender was like distracting him. She knew what was up because she put, I think, half of what we ordered on his bill because it wasn't on ours. Good for you. And good yeah. for her. I, I love her. Anyways, when he was distracted by her, because he was like, yeah, so where are we going? And he turned his back and Aaron was like, now. And we just ran like for two blocks and turned a corner. I was panting. But anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, I oh giggling, but wheezing because I am shaped like a raccoon and move like one, too. And uh, anyways, uh, the next day I woke up with a fever, 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 fever. And I had a fever for four days. Um, I blinked and I was back in Ottawa. Um, so I don't know how TSA let me through. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I did in the airport. Um, so that's one way to cut down your flying. And uh, just about what, 10 minutes ago, I said I had to go poo, but I ended up violently throwing up my cough medicine and all of my green tea. Um, but it's fun to reminisce. Zach, if you're listening to this, I know that you said you did two tours. So don't come for me, and I hope you don't. He took videos of us, by the way. He made us sit down and like. Hey, Mel. Like... I, Mel. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> he might have implanted something on you or in you or some kind of virus, and his whole plan was to stick with you to watch the it grow. Effects, but you guys ran, and oh. now you brought it back to Canada. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Can I tell you about when he made us sit down and videotaped us? It was like a horror movie, Jamie. Like like he, creep, like the movie Creep. Yes. I love it. Yes. Oh so he sat us down. He said he we were gonna start he tried to do like a talk show thing, but I don't let anybody like try and get one up on me. Plus I'm much quicker and faster and funnier. So he kept yes. asking these like crazy questions, but I kept spinning them. He's like, What would you do if you were <laughs> Osama bin Laden and you had your kids with you and they were held to your chest and that's when he went to go like reach at my chest and Aaron was like you don't do that uh -uh. um and I was like well I'm like if I knew I was gonna die I've got this thing where I can't help but kill the things I love so they don't suffer so I would have twisted their little heads and sucked their spinal fluid to gain some energy and strength and he was like whoa 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 like he did not like my answers but then later on he liked my answers anyways he wasn't well um, and now I'm not well. So I think I've caught whatever he had. And uh, yeah, here we are today. Mel, I don't <laughs> think I ever told you the entire story of whenever I went to Cuba on my last trip a couple months ago, and I met an army vet. Oh, no, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> His name was James. Hi, James. Um, anyways, <laughs> he like my mom had met him like so 
I think it was like the first night and I went to take a nap. Like when we got there, like we, we walked around, whatever mm -hmm. I took a nap, I woke up to my mom being like, Oh, I just went out to the party and Oh, I met this guy, James. He's Ooh. so cute. He's like an, Oh, he's an army veteran and he's looking for a wife. And I'm like, my mom's always trying to pimp me off to people. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, mother? But anyways, she's like, Oh, and also he has mushrooms. Oh my and God. He said, if you want mushrooms, you can go see him. I'm like, mom, are you talking to people about drugs in fucking Cuba? You idiot. Ma'am, you're going to go like, to jail. I'm like, do you know for sure that this man is from London, Ontario, like you say he is and that he is not some undercover cop or something? And so anyways, I got dolled up and I went out and I remember like seeing him because I remember her saying he had like a backwards hat and a beard. So he'd like he was basically Fred Durst. He looked exactly <laughs> like Fred Durst. But from with, like, the a army. Beard from the army and yeah he had a a bottle of like um like multivitamins that he had filled with wink um, wink with wink wink mushroom powder so i popped like three right away and his oh, buddy Jesus. who his brother who was there he had to leave because he was like tripping out too much and i'm the brother anyways I was talking to him and like the at the beginning of the night it was like him being like okay okay jamie cop we're not on the same level right now and i'm like this is just how i talk all the time yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm literally this not who even i high. am as a person. i'm literally not even high like what do you and want I, and i'm like and if you think i talk a lot now you just wait until the mushrooms kick in yeah but anyways and then we were having a grand old time um there was a stray dog and that's how i had met him actually because i saw him but i didn't want to approach him because i like to be mysterious <laughs> and then he was gone but his table was still uh, was open i guess like like where he was sitting was open so i was like i'm gonna and then i was i saw the dog under the table and i'm like who the fuck is this who's this dog is this dog even here and then he came back and he was like oh you met my dog and i was like is he your dog and then he was telling me that actually he's like he comes here every year for the last so many years and he knows the owners really well and they're selling the place right now and that's why they had the party and all the people who are here are colombians and um he told me that the dog was going to a farm the next day that he he had paid and arranged for and stuff so i was like i like this guy and then he brought me back to his room to smoke some hash which was great but holy fuck man when the demons started coming out and he would say it and like his face would completely change his yes. pointy little ears like he looked like a yes. fucking goblin oh my god well that's one way of definitely uh describing ptsd because people who you know you can't control it and it takes over you like i saw the look like completely changed on the Zach guy's face too, where he would just go blank and he just looked so confused. And I don't yeah. think that the drinking was helping, but clearly it's something he needed to do. And he was talking about how his girlfriend owned a restaurant. He's up from Cali, but like the, that's when it's like, yeah, the one-on-one -on -one situation. It's like, if there's going to be booze and stuff involved, it's even harder to gauge how somebody's oh, doing. Oh yeah. And he so, had unlimited booze in his room. Like we were just yeah. getting wasted. Um, He made me noodles in the coffee pot, which was amazing. amazing. And now um, next time we stay in like New York or anywhere where all we have is a coffee machine, like we are fucking set. Yes. We are making nudes every day. But um, no, he would just like, we would be talking about something and then he would just suddenly be like, do you know what it's like to kill a man? Oh my like, fucking holy shit. Why do people like us attract fucking people who like i don't i don't understand it like what is it about us everywhere we know, go man. weirdos it's, just fucking cling on to us it's because we're we're little weirdos and we're little weird magnets 
and you know um thank you for serving our country <laughs> well i mean thank you for serving america um i'm not involved <laughs> Zach, yeah yeah Zach, exactly and next time someone says no no tush don't tush and if this no disease tush. is yours you motherfucker I know that you live in Malibu, bitch, and I'm coming back. No, no, Malibu I don't. Malibu coming for you. I don't know how to use a gun, but I'll figure it out. No, it's not a threat. Thanks, girl. They sell them at Walmart in America. <laughs> like, like anybody can use them. I'm sure. Like, it, it's just like the play guns. They make that them exactly true. like the play guns. Okay. Like anyways, that. well, <clears throat> before we get this show on the road and several <laughs> hundred miles away from us. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce you guys to our podcast. Hi, yeah, we're hi. Cheap Whores. And we're a podcast where two Virgo besties who love immeasurable amounts of human viscera and all of the found footage trash one can handle doing what we do best, which is watching horror movies and critiquing them in our own self-proclaimed hilarious way. We love to take the piss. It's funnier than reading the plot online. It's almost like watching a movie but just in your ear. And don't worry. We'll always let you know before we start if the dog dies. We Does will. Does the dog die in this smell? No dog, bitch. No dog, bitch. Okay, and then quickly, before we um, get started, I'm going to make a little corrections, corners, mistakes from the last episode, okay? For I love that. That's very Virgo. I wrote it down. You know how hard it is for me to write things down? To take the time to pull out my phone. That's why I'm genu I'm shocked and impressed. I know. By you. Okay. So first of all, number one, I just wanted to point out that the type of car that they use in the Phantasm franchise, because it is used throughout, it is blown up so many fucking times, but yes. somehow Reggie just fucking brings it on back and fixes it up again. Are you sure it's not and Mike? Mike who just fixes no. every car? That's just crazy. No, but I will get to Mike next. But the type of car... Um, is actually really famous because of this movie, and it's a 1971 Plymouth Cuda. Ooh, and I'm sure sure that's short for Barracuda, probably. Barracuda. <laughs> um, the next. Um, oh wait, and I actually wrote a quote from Phantasm.com. The original Phantasm featured a triple black. 1971 Plymouth Cuda, man, was she a beauty. Many people fell in love with Mopar because of how cool that car looked and sounded on screen. What's Mopar? No idea. We would love to drive the Cuda over to the dunes for a beer someday. Good job, Phantasm.com. I love it. Triple black. Yeah. That sounds so sleek. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then I also wanted to point out that, you know, we were talking about the um, Lady in Lavender. Yes. Kathy Lester and how she was in a music video. Oh, yeah. So the band is actually not Esthero because remember it was Wicked Little Girls, but like spelt with like two Ks yeah. and like five R's. That was the name of the song. And the band who um, who played it is called Le Cat. Le Cat. And Le Cat, and so it's a cover of the song by Estero. Okay? okay, amazing. But Le Cat is Kathy Lester. She's the fucking singer in the video. Oh, She's God the damn. actual singer <gasps> in the video. Yeah, so Kathy, you look fucking awesome, and you've got a beautiful voice. Good job. You rock and roll lady in lavender. Yeah, and then lastly, 
I feel like it was really rude of me whenever, okay, like, I don't know, maybe you should just always do the IMDb because I'm terrible at it. And I re-listened to all of our episodes last week and I was like, Mel is so fucking good at this and oh, I suck. I rewrite, I write it down before. I don't just free ball that shit, girl. Like I write everything down before. I don't just, you know, copy paste. I let every, you know, sentences. <laughs> I think it's because Phantasm was one of those movies that we were holding off on doing for like a really long time in between our little hiatus. It's so true. whenever it was finally time to record it, I was just like, let's just fucking do it. But you know what? Now that I appreciate it a lot more and I feel bad, I just wanted to point out the other actors that are main characters, which is Bill Thornbury, who plays Jody. He's also the person who wrote the song Sitting Here at Midnight, which is our favorite song ever. Do, do, do. And then Mike is played by Michael Baldwin. And his real name is Michael Baldwin. <laughs> he's played it's by a... Michael Baldwin, who's played by Michael Baldwin. <laughs> but he's actually not Michael Baldwin. <laughs> but anyways, um, the reason why I'm pointing them both out, because I think I said in part one that neither of them come back, that they're only in Phantasm. They are in all of all the of other Phantasm, except for Phantasm 2. Phantasm okay. 2 is played by a different actor who I won't shout out yet. Mike is played by a different actor, um, so weird. which I read online because the studios that um, I don't know if it was Fox or I feel like it might have been Fox, but I, I just, you know, whatever. Fuck you, Fox. Mm -hmm. But they didn't think Mike grown up now was cute enough <gasps> to be a lead character. Oh, so rude. they forced Don to cast this other cute guy apparently brad pitt auditioned for the role of mike also by wow the way. that's crazy yeah. and anyway so for part two this other guy is mike but then in part three and four it's back to the old mike because finally don was able to have control and yeah. wanted mike to have his spot back i hate when production houses try and do what they think is like right or cool or will sell more. I understand that they're all about the money, but nothing is worse than when a, like a movie has drastic changes or a story or whatever you're pulling from. They always make the worst choices. They should always leave it in the hands of the writer, the director, the person who knows how it should go because that's how the product is going to be the best. And they'll end up yeah. making money that way when people love what they're watching and want to support it. So exactly. And you know, the best way I can describe phantasm one in comparison to phantasm two, three, and four mm -hmm. is evil dead versus evil dead two. Yeah. Because oh, evil yeah. dead was very like lower budge, very seventies feeling, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like that style of recording where like the audio isn't like the greatest and yeah. it's like a little bit kooky and you don't really quite know what's going on. And then Part two is like Evil Dead 2, where it's like suddenly it's the 80s and, you know, there's comedy in it, there's gore in it, there's, you know, character arcs and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would describe it. And also talking about Evil Dead, there's some fun little Easter eggs in the other movies. In part two, we see a bag of ashes that is uh, some bones are being crushed and put into it. And the bag says um, Sam Raimi on it. 
So weird. And I read that Sam Raimi and Don Cosarelli are like BFFs. Mm-hmm. And Sam was actually on set for like most of part two's um, filming. So you definitely see some some of the Evil Dead style makeup and kind of moments, which is kind of cool because after part one, um, those the little people, they're still kind of around and we get to see their faces all mm-hmm. the time, which is cool. But the, he's, the tall man stops making little people and he just kind of turns regular pe- dead people into like evil, like killer people that are dead i need to watch the sequels i think i'm gonna do that like this week lastly this is the last thing i say before we fucking get into this <laughs> um so sam raimi bffs with don Cosarelli, mm-hmm. and you know how we just did our jason goes to hell yes and how there was some sam raimi involved in that oh yeah uh, like the necronomicon and whatnot yeah. There was at some point, I read on Reddit, some talk about some kind of Evil Dead phantasm crossover that never ended up happening. So now and we definitely need... We need a universe. We need a Like, universe. if you guys want to go back and listen to our Jason Goes to Hell, we we went into a bit of that universe of how it was supposed to be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. We'll add the tall man in there now. Like, I want <gasps> the whole collection. I love it. Love we're writing that. it. We're screenwriters now. <laughs> we always were. All right. Okay. Well, let's get our notes up and get this shit on the road. Exactly. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't want to tune into the last episode, because that is part one, um, I'm going to give you guys a recap so you can jump right in here because it's been a while. If you don't want to go listen to it again, no problem. I have you covered right now with last episode on cheap horrors during the first 30 minutes of phantasm we met two friends jody and reggie who are mourning the death of their fallen comrade tommy who died after engaging in ghostly sexual intercourse with a hauntingly beautiful woman in lavender um, at the cemetery before she stabbed him and then transformed into an old very tall man they somehow assumed he died by suicide and during his funeral mike Jody's uninvited younger brother witnessed this tall man single-handedly put Tommy's heavy casket back into his hearse, as well as strange little creatures running around the tombstones. Jody and Reggie, his ice cream man friend, they play guitar for 20 seconds for no reason. Mike goes to a fortune teller because he suspects his brother is leaving town. Their parents died two years ago, and the prospect of becoming an orphan upsets him. The fortune teller lady with a star on her face makes him put his hand in a box, and this teaches him not to be afraid. Later, while stalking his older brother, as he does throughout this movie, Mike sees him almost meet the same grisly fate with the lady in Lavender, a.k.a. the tall man, but their sexy rendezvous is broken up and we're about to begin, with Mike deciding to go investigate the strange happenings at the funeral home. And here we are today. So, we're going to jump back in with a segment I like to call Knife Sock, a.k.a. Mike's Revenge. So... Mike has had enough of being treated like he's crazy, so he starts planning for war, pulling out all of the stops by hiding a knife holster on his ankle, which is hidden perfectly by his corduroy bell bottoms. He also puts a cross necklace in the breast pocket of his flannel shirt because maybe we're dealing with vampires here. He doesn't know. 
neither do we. So it's best that we be prepared for anything. Equipped with only those two things and his denim jacket, he heads off to Morning Gate Cemetery. Morningside. Do you remember corduroy and and jean together? Yeah, mixed fabrics, bitch. Just mixing and matching. One time I bought a pair of corduroys and they were like a light baby blue. And within seconds, I dropped an entire iced cappuccino on them. (laughs) Everything back in the day was ice blue, like that 90s, 2000s vibe. Like I had ice blue shiny pants and matching lipstick and just take it away. So Mike has balls and he nearly doesn't after he's scaling the enormous locked gates over at the cemetery but once he makes it over he's booking it through tombstones in the dead of night towards the creepy white house finding a small basement window around the side he taekwondo kicks it in with little resistance i just want to say that this scene is absolutely dead silent there are literal crickets chirping which is the international symbol of silence. Whatever is in this house, this big white creepy house has heard him. The dead in their graves heard that glass shatter. The kid has a butter knife in his sock, zero game plan, and here he is (laughs) crawling into a mortuary basement. So Mikey pulls out a Zippo and hovers it over some surprise coffins. It would actually be creepier if they weren't somewhere that they are literally supposed to be. He continues on and bumps into a tall box, which rolls a mannequin head into his open hands. He snatches his wig and continues on. Now, a fun fact. Mal, why does he have a Zippo lighter and not a flashlight? Because it's the 80s or 70s. There's no flashlights in the 70s? I haven't been invented yet. What about a fucking oil lantern? That's true. (laughs) He should be doing that, like a little ghoul. So I always just think of like, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm just like, Somebody's going to blow it out. Somebody's going to blow it out. Just the wind. The wind in that basement. Yeah. But now I've got a little bit of a fun fact about the mannequin head in Mike's hands. Um, The display head that falls into Mike's arms was initially supposed to be a cat. We didn't have a cat, says Don Cosarelli. So somebody, I think our intrepid makeup designer Kate, came up with the idea of using a wig stand. So thanks, Kate, for the fun little wig snatching moment we have. Thanks, Don's mom. Yeah, it's true. The whole family, the whole Don Cossarelli family involved in this movie. Now, finding his way up into a lit room full of different display coffins, Mike hears the door behind him open and jumps into one of the caskets. In walks a melted candle of a man dressed as some sort of coverall cowboy We get a first-person shot as Mike is peering through the slit of the coffin as the creepy, waxy-looking human quickly walks towards it and slips his slimy little fingers through the open lid. But as he's about to open it, the tall man slinks in, silently prompting the cowboy to turn around and return. So Mike is safe for now. And who the fuck is this cowboy? Do we ever find out? I don't think we ever find out. I think he's just a previous victim. Why is he melted and he's not small? I think Why? maybe he's in between stages. Is that an option? Oh, possibly. Like you maybe I after where you get in the barrel. I I have this vivid memory of a fever dream from whenever I was watching the whole fucking four of them one after another, and I feel like at some point the little person comes out of the dead body and so but i always thought that they crushed them but anyways 
it's a fever dream. It is but a fever dream. It is true. It is very true. It is. I mean, I'm living a fever dream right now. Um, so somehow I'm following it. So I think you literally have to have a fever to make it make sense. And that's why. And okay, one quickly again, while I was doing all of my research and getting rabbit holed in, about this film, so many comments of people saying, "I tried to watch Phantasm, but I just kept forgetting." And I'm like, is this a thing? Because like, remember how I told you at the beginning? I'm like, I watched this seven times and I don't fucking remember what it's about. There is some kind of magic in this movie. Yes, totally. It actually sets your brain on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like that disease. Like the disease I have right now. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into some magic ball extravaganza. So satisfied with not being found out or murdered yet mike continues his little adventure he follows through the swinging doors the two villains exited from does that sentence make sense sure and finds himself in the large marble crypt that his brother jody was wandering earlier in the movie he hears some sort of thudding and growling coming from behind a small black door of this crypt but before he can go further <laughs> magic flying ball now i don't know what is happening here but it is fantastic mike dives to the floor as the silver space ball flies over his head is this the funeral home security system is it a snitch if he catches it in his mouth does he win the house cup but just as he goes to book it the coverall cowboy snatches him and puts him in a headlock mike who is fighting just like for your guy just like zach just like zach put me in a headlock and sucked my cheek i wish there's a magic flying ball to do what's about to happen next so mike fighting for survival much like me bites the man's arm and we pan to the space ball which i guess has circled back now and has opened up to protrude two shiny pronged blades as mike chews through his attacker's forearm he finally drops the kid and bam the space ball lodges its sexy cocktail forks into the melted man's forehead. But that's not all. This space ball opens another compartment and starts drilling into the dude's forehead. Neon fluffy blood spills out from the wound. But wait, there's more. There seems to be a hole in the back of the space ball. Now, I don't know if the drill part is also a vacuum, but blood begins to shoot out of the space ball's asshole. <laughs> Ooh. beautiful. This scene was amazing. And all sucked dry, the man falls, writhing in pain next to Mike, who is crouching in fear nearby. We aren't really stopping there, though. The attacker starts pissing buckets, pissing buckets, and it starts <laughs> pooling towards the terrified teen, who pulls out his little knife and backs the fuck away from the strange and very liquid ordeal. And now he has PTSD. Exactly. Now, fun fact about the sphere, Jamie. This idea came to Don Cosarelli in a dream. One night in his late teens, he dreamed of fleeing down endlessly long marble corridors, pursued by a chrome sphere intent on penetrating his skull with a wicked needle. There was also a quite futuristic sphere dispenser in which the orbs would emerge and begin to chase him. Um, another little fun fact about the sphere themselves, they were designed by craftsman Willard Green, who charged the production only a little over 100, 
wait, no, $1,100 for his services. Sadly, Willard Green passed away just after production completed at the end of 1977, and he never got to see his work on the big screen. But hopefully those flying silver balls are chasing him around in heaven so he can experience it. Mel, another fun fact about those balls. Yeah, I'm just baby. gonna say, tell me, they return in every movie and they evolve. Like there are <gasps> more balls, different colors, well, chromes, <sighs> I guess you would say, different spiky objects and stuff. And another secret that lives inside of the balls that I will not tell you about. I love the balls I love everything about them the fact that there will be more now I don't know what the secret is but I'm I want to put in my wager right now seeing as I was just betting not too long ago on my life Uh and also in my wallet um I would like to bet that there's a little creature that maybe the tall man has created (laughs) who's flying that ball um which is really upsetting because when Jody shoots one it explodes in a blood mist which you assume is just the blood that it sucks from its victims but if there's like a little gremlin fucking that flying makes one sense of those things, now oh no that there is a gremlin no there's, there's like there's no gremlin but that's all i'm saying okay okay, okay. r.i.p so back to the mortuary all the kerfuffle in the great Marble Halls has summoned the king of the corpses. Daddy is home, and from around the corner, two long legs saunter in, and the rest of the body follows, because this motherfucker's so tall. The tall man has arrived. I'd also like to remind everyone that this man banged Tommy and pulled Jody's butt out of his pants, okay? Now, the young boy and Necro Daddy begin walking towards each other in unison, their vintage heels clip-clopping like two fine stallions along the marbled floor. They meet in the middle of the hall, and Mike is like, nope, fuck this shit. He just decides to book it. They are not going to do any shootout at high noon. There's not going to be a stalemate or even much of a look. Mike is like, I hate it. I'm out of here. He's going yeah, I know. I would have done the same. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clip, clop, clip, clop. Okay, no, 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 no. Look at how tall he is. Mm-hmm. There's no any silver balls. He pulls out one of those silver balls and you don't have a big melted uh, cowboy zombie to get the prongs. You got to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike books it back through the funeral parlor and into a room where he slams one of those old timey locks which is just a large wooden plank into some latches across a giant steel door but before he can really find relief he notices the tall man's slender hand has been jammed shut in the door so he slices that up real good with his knife unleashing a fountain of watered down mustard blood is that what embalming fluid looks like is my question little uh heinz mustard I, don't know. Uh, I feel like it's like a bluish green color because I is it not the same stuff that you put your combs in at the at the <laughs> hair salon? <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God. <laughs> did we tell that joke last episode? We did. Okay, this perfect. One. No, like our last part too. Okay, we la- love her <laughs> oh my God. Okay, that is so meta. It's like we're telling jokes about an episode that we did, but technically doesn't exist, and we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. so weird inception inception, inception. It, that's what it is <laughs> so the tall man is shrieking from behind the door because his long slender fender fenders fingers are trapped and um uh mike slices them off which causes more shrieking i mean mike is a little uh 
a little aggressive here. You're just going to be snapping off some man's fingers. You don't even know what he's doing, but you're just, you're snipping him off. Um, and you're not, oh, he knows just... what he wants. He knows he wants his little sweet ass. Yeah. His little true. teenage boy ass. It's true. <laughs> so Mike kneels down and not only like has severed the fingers off of this man, but he snatches them up and he uh, places them into his breast pocket like a little freak. So I looked down for a, <laughs> I looked down for a second, and when I looked back up, Mike was being chased by the two little cloaked figures that looked like something out of Star Wars. Um, and I have it in my notes here that Jamie will know the name of what I'm talking about. Little Jawas. Little Jawas. So uh, yeah, Mike narrowly escapes and just books it back home. Now, back at the Pearson residence. It is the Mel, next. Actually, can I say something really of, quickly? Of course. So again, going into the later films, because that's all I care about now. So there's one scene in one of the upcoming movies with like regular Mike back and he's like in the desert somewhere and it looks all like exactly like tattooing mm-hmm. in Star Wars and the little Jawas are running around and then Mike walks by like in between these like two like cavern kind of big rock areas. So like he as he's passing you can see behind one of the rocks a fucking masked figure who looks identical to um uh the proper name is tuscan raider oh my god (laughs) and i'm like is this don cosarelli like just making a joke now because he was the one who created the jawa first technically Mm -hmm. and he feels like he he's you like know, you you borrowed really... from me i'm gonna borrow from you type moment well yeah or just like like a joke just being like you know what i'm so sick of everybody telling me that i stole fucking george Jaw- lucas's yeah. jawas when i created them first so you know what here's a little fucking quick here's a tuscan radio <laughs> and and mike looks exactly like anakin in like part three where he has to go find his poor like fucking ravaged mother <laughs> bro okay Phantasm, I'm just saying right now, is a cross between Star Wars and Suspiria. Stars, no wait. Suspiria. Sus Wars. This is Sus Wars. Sus Wars. Sus Wars. Sus Wars. But yeah, Sus Wars is no problem. Sus Wars. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, let us go back to the Pearson residence. It is the next morning after Mike's terrifying ordeal and Jody, pink shirt open, Muscles popping heads downstairs where he finds Mike asleep. The poor kid was clearly up all night guarding the front door with a fucking rifle and a jumping box full of severed old guy fingers next to him. The same <laughs> fingers, I might add, that unzipped Jody's pants and pulled his butt out earlier in the film. <laughs> so Mike wakes up and the two go outside to look at the fingers dancing around in the French classic yellow mustard. Uh, Jody says he believes him. Um, and suddenly they're back inside and Mike and all it took was some fucking detached moving yellow mustard fingers I know finally leave him I mean I love how he just looks at but they're very calm about it they're very calm and it's just cuckoo bananas but Mike has it's almost like Jody needed a good nap like Jody was just so tired and sick of all of this little fucking brown person gopher in heat talk and getting his foot like slammed with a fucking hammer that he was like, I need to go take a nap. And yeah. then he woke up and he was like, all right, 
I'm ready to believe. Yeah, now that I've had dreams and I realize that what I'm living isn't a dream, I believe you. So Mike has a shocking confession for Jody. Well, there's something I didn't tell you. I was spying on Tommy's funeral from the groves with your binoculars. And after everybody had left, that tall man picked up Tommy's coffin all by himself and put it in the hearse and drove off. You're crazy. So this, these dudes are, again, so fucking chill for having a box full of undead dancing fingers and a literal ghoul up at the local funeral home doing necromancy in their small town. But yeah, no problem, guys. Just another day. Why don't they just move? Why don't they just move? Why don't Why don't they just no, move? But nobody ever moves. They want to be the heroes, right? So um, I guess they decide to go to the cops and Jody tells Mike to go get his evidence. So as he checks on the finger, it seems like it's transfigured in itself into some sort of fucking bug. Mike traps it in a shirt, <laughs> but cannot contain it. So Jody jumps in. Okay, now the two are fighting with this denim shirt down the stairs, through the living room, to the kitchen, to try and jam the fucker down the sink disposal. I wish that this scene was 10 times longer and in slow motion like the Jason Goes to Hell Diner Massacre because yeah. it's them fighting this fucking jacket with a bug inside and it is, I can't, I, I have so many favorite scenes and this is one of them. Yes, Silver Spaceball, but fighting the jacket is also up there on my list. Um, but anyways, there goes the evidence for the cops. I guess you can't go to the police now because the little finger is missing. I don't know what to tell you. And Officer, so you're gonna have to check my garbage disposal. <laughs> oh, but there's an like, all, all I see is hot dogs and mustard in here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and one single fingernail. So there's <laughs> suddenly a knock on the door, and my boy Reggie walks in. Well, our boy Reggie, now that you have fallen in love with him, <laughs> Scullet is in a sweet, sweet low ponytail. He, he asks fucks my... so many bitches. He fucks so many bitches. I'm just saying, he fucks so many bitches. He asks Mike if he wants to go ride with him today because the kids are going to maul him for ice cream because it's so hot out there. When suddenly. So anyways, this motherfucker guys, literal return of the fly jumps out of the garburator and nearly takes the ponytail off of the our garburator. boy Reggie. Yes. <laughs> I've almost takes the ponytail off of Reggie before flying at Mike. Jody shoves it back into the same goddamn denim shirt and back down the drain she goes. Jody gears up to do some investigating and I'm wondering if he's been training modern police officers with this little bit of advice that he gives his brother. You shoot to kill or you don't shoot at all. That sounds like an American slogan. It does. Okay, so he tells Mike to lock the windows and doors, and above all, don't follow him, like he's been doing the whole movie. And Mike tells him about the window he broke, and then watches his brother disappear into the night. Back at Morningside Gate. <laughs> We're not sure which one it is anymore. It's been so long. Stop gatekeeping me, Morningside. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> we have Jody arriving back to Morningside rocking a sick leather jacket breaking in through the already broken in window to some sick friggin beats mm -hmm.
he turns the light on and in the background we see what appears to be a scene from bugs bunny two small people making a big person in a trench coat <laughs> mr simpson it hurts yeah and why do we have to do this all the way from home for once in my life i'm tall don't take that away from me hello i'm shaquille o'neal let us in please okay Upon further inspection, there's only one probably standing on a box, so I'm not taking out that reference. No, don't do it. No. Oh, but these aren't two innocent or one innocent child trying to get into a dirty movie. It's our favorite <laughs> little evil Jawas. Yes. And now they're on Jody for a piggyback ride from hell. Thank God Jody brought a gun and knows how to use it. And by that, I mean point it just mere inches from your own face to blow off one of the lollipop killed from the Wizard of Oz. Jody says, fuck this shit, and attempts to leave the haunted premises that they should all just fucking burn down, or just move, or just pretend like you didn't see anything and carry on with your fucking lives. Mm -hmm. Instead, Jody chooses violence and shoots mm -hmm. one of our little friends, no. who, although their strength, they probably weigh about two pounds, shown by Jody's bullet that sends our little boy flying several feet away. Poor guy. Jody double taps. Good for you, Jody. Nothing pisses me off more in a horror movie than whenever some fucking bitch whacks the serial killer slash slasher and just runs instead of bashing their head in until there's literally just brain Paul, matter on the walls. How about when they only like barely hit them and then they walk right up to the body like they do with Michael Myers all the time every or Jason. Time, every time. They're like, oh, 100%. he's down. It's like, yeah, you, you nicked him. Yeah, you nicked him. He's playing dead just like yes. you would in this situation. He, they invented playing dead. Exactly. Okay, so Jody takes off and this entire mission is pointless as fuck. Literally. He went there, went through all of that effort just mm -hmm. to go in the house for two seconds and shoot a little person yeah, and exit. True. It kind of makes me think that maybe Jody didn't necessarily believe him, but now there is definite proof. Mm-hmm. Either way, the whole scene was entertaining as fuck, and we come to learn shortly after that evil Jawas can drive, and it's fucking adorable. Yeah. And once again, I feel like I'm in an old-time cartoon. It's actually giving me Stephen King Christine vibes, mm -hmm. because it looks like he's having a shootout with the car, because the Jawas are so teeny-weeny. There's probably one on the wheel and one controlling the gas and brakes. I know. It looked like that car was driving its own self. Yeah. Now, one of the cars, yes, because there are like three maybe now, I'm confused, is Mike. Oh, and yeah. he is also just so teeny weeny to see that when he pulls up to pick up Jody, Mike almost gets blown in the fucking face. The privilege, Mike. Show yourself. If that was a cop, you would be dead, my brother in Christ. Announce yourself or at least poke your little head out from above the steering wheel. Christine is back. And she's trying to take our brother duo off the road. I'm gonna get that bastard. Well, that escalated quickly. Jody is now standing through the sunroof with a shotgun shooting at the mystery <laughs> car. Not a single care for pedestrians, his little brother himself. If he can't leave this town, no one is leaving this town. <laughs> 
alive. And just like that, Jody blasts the phantasmic car, which smashes into a tree. The end. Just kidding. There's like seven more movies. Yes. The two go to check out the damage, and we have a little Jawa skewered into a tree. No. And the two unveil the little dude's face, <sighs> and everything gets fucking weird. Mel, three guesses right now. Who's the little Jawa? Come on, Scooby-Doo, where are you? It's one of those dwarfs. You went right through it. Oh my god, it's Tommy and a bunch of yellow stuff. I have so many questions. It's Tommy. <laughs> it is it's little Tommy. It's little but Tommy. not Tommy was though. No. It's Tommy from the beginning. Tommy. 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 That Tommy. That Tommy. <laughs> oh god. Thank God they called the artillery. Honk honk motherfuckers. Backup is here. It's our favorite doot doot and boot fuck you in the face, <laughs> Reggie, coming to save the day and officially fulfill the stereotype of the ice cream man hiding dead bodies in with the ice cream. This guy's not going to leak all of my ice cream, is he? I love that. So I was going to say, who are you going to call for backup? Not the cops, not the military. Definitely your 40-year-old ice cream man friend that you jam with on the weekends. Like... <laughs> Ross Mel, Noel. do you remember? Do you remember whenever I think we were talking last night, texting, and we realized that Reggie not only had an ice cream truck, but an entire fucking store oh that we didn't even God. notice in the background. I know. He's I a businessman. I know, but that hand painted sign, he should be fired. Somebody let the tall man take over. Tall yeah, man's ice cream. All right. Well, I think it's safe to say. The kids will be eating a lot of banana flavor because there is yellow goo just oozing out of mini Tommy's corpse head. Back at Reggie's place, Reggie's walking down the hallway. Serious music is creeping in the background. And suddenly... The cutest black auntie appears out of nowhere, and I'm convinced everyone here just wants to get their fucking head blown off. <laughs> also, we never find out who Myrtle is. No. I like to assume Reggie is a man of culture and mature taste, and Myrtle is his sweet, sweet lover. I want that. I also want that for Myrtle. I'm fucking jealous. <laughs> Myrtle. Myrtle. What a, what a Myrtle. name, bro. Come on. All right, the boys are all warming up around the fire, and they're trying to figure out what we're all wondering. Has Reggie hit that? You know, Myrtle? <laughs> Just kidding. Why is Tommy suddenly half the length of his legs? Insert audio 5320. Either way, it's there. Three random guys with no relevance. Duty now to take down the tall man. Yeah. Reggie... Raji, Raji, Raji has some pretty great ideas, which include stomping the shit out of him, laying that sucker out flat, and driving a stake through his goddamn heart. Maybe he is vampire. Maybe. <laughs> like, find this. Do you like this new laugh where it's just my old rattling bones? <laughs> That's what I imagine little Tommy would laugh like. Yeah. Oh. 
It hurts. Okay. It feels so good. <laughs> so Reggie, Raji, has some pretty great ideas, which include stomping the shit out of him, laying that sucker out flat, and driving a stake through his goddamn heart. Mike finds this humorous and displays this by giving us the worst black scent. Oh. You gotta be shitting me, man. That mother's strong. I really need to know where Myrtle, the only black person in the film, came from and why Mike is suddenly Justin Timberlake circa 1999 all of a sudden. No, literally. It's like he couldn't contain himself. He's like, wait a second, I fit in here. And then just proceeds to do the most cringe. I turned away from the television. I did turn my TV. So did Myrtle. It's like you pan over to Myrtle's face, eye rolling so yeah, hard into her head. Uh, no, uh. no. Thank God Jody is there to create a real plan. Yes, Jody, the man who has been gaslighting us this whole fucking film, mm -hmm. is now going to save the day. How lovely. How predictable. Part one of the plan. Introduce two new characters without any background and never say anything about them ever again. I mean... Reggie drops Mike off to go antique shopping with Sally and her friend Susie. Yes, is that Jamie. What that is? Susie, thank you. Oh, high five I only know because we've already recorded this once. Yes. Now I feel like everything is starting to go off the rails a bit. Yeah. But I'm here for the antique shopping. I spend hours at my local thrift shops and haven't bought a new piece of clothing that isn't a sick customized meth syndicate t-shirt. Shout out. <laughs> Shout since out. Since I was like 20. Speaking of, I ordered... Um, the Mark of the Beast Taylor Swift hoodie. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's Taylor Swift with like white eyes and like an upside down cross on her forehead. And I'm very excited about it. And I also, I really wanted to get the um, doing cocaine and listening to Fleetwood Mac doesn't make you a witch. Oh, that is one of the best ones. But they didn't bring it out because it was a Black Friday sale. So he was like, I'm dropping some oldies. Like, what do you guys want to see? But he yeah. did have the... Um, uh, you can go your own fucking way shirt <laughs> and it's like uh, never break the chain or whatever mm -hmm. um, but I was like no I really want the cocaine one so I'll wait but instead I ordered the $13 mystery shirt so I'm so fucking excited to see what it's gonna be I can't wait for you I love mystery bags like bring me to a candy store or like somewhere and you get the choice of like $200 or the mystery bag that's probably worth $5. I yeah. will always choose the $5 mystery bag. The mystery is worth it. It's the most exciting part. 100%. Mike starts exploring the store casually without a single care one could say, considering that there is an entire ghoul war about to begin. <laughs> Something catches Jody's, I mean, Mike. Fuck. Something <laughs> catches Mike's eyes. I finally know the characters after watching four movies, though. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. And it's an old timey photo. And who is that moving inside the photo? It's Pennywise the dancing clown. No, it isn't. But we can add him to the universe. Cause it's our universe now, Dawn. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, but it is the tall man and he's riding a horse and buggy. It looks like it's from like the 1800s or some shit. Either way. Here's another little interesting fact that I just fucking came across right now. Yes. So as we discussed in part one, Don Cosarelli also directed Baba Hotep. Mm -hmm. And we are anxiously awaiting Don Cosarelli's Baba Nosferatu. <sighs> By the way, mm. this blog is from 2011. So oh, no. I don't know if it's going to happen now. Don, please. Either way. 
we this person writes in this blog which i should probably say it's phantasm archives blog spot okay um this blogger write as we wrote as we all anxiously await don Cosarelli's bubba hot bubba nosferatu why can't i word <laughs> the sequel to bubba hotep this was written in 2011 again i thought it might be fun to turn our gaze back to the original bubba for a moment Horror fans will, of course, have already recognized that the film sports supporting appearances by Phantasm series vets Reggie Bannister and Heidi Marnhut, as well as the cameo appearance by Daniel Schwager, Daniel Roebuck, Chuck Williams, and the tall man? Yes. In one of the film's most overlooked cameos, the tall man himself appears for a brief moment, courtesy of Phantasm series collaborator and artist David Hartman. Towards the film's end, Elvis and JFK peruse the contents of the Everyday Man or Woman's Book of the Soul, which features a full-page illustration of a giant mummy tearing off a house's roof and eating its inhabitants. In the bottom left corner of the artwork, you can just barely see the tall man riding away on a horse-drawn hearse carriage, referencing the antique photo scene from the first Phantasm. That's amazing. What a find. That is so random when we were just looking for this photograph. That's nuts. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm just going to say this really quickly. This whole moment here is like three different scenes happening simultaneously. So we're going to have a lot of cut and back. So we cut from Mike looking at the moving photo of the tall man riding the horse-drawn buggy hearse. And now we pan to Reggie driving the ice cream truck. We hear growling coming from the back where little Tommy, who is supposed to be dead, Mm -hmm. is residing and mixing in with the vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Swirled. (laughs) So Jody dreams of the tall man and all that legs and dairy. While distracted by elegant strides that would put tired banks out of business, he is pulled through one of the mausoleum holes by little people arms. And I like to think that it's his parents who have now been turned into little people because I like to make everything as traumatic as possible. Yes. We cut back to Mike, who's now left the antique store and is driving with the two random girls that look exactly like every other blonde haired, blue eyed bitch in this film. And what is that we see in the fog in the street <gasps> a turned over ice cream truck no oh, no stop mike says as he jumps out of the car to check to see if reggie's okay he tells the girls lock the door and don't get out no matter what now those aren't direct quotes but that's pretty much what he says that's pretty much it mike returns to or mike walk toward okay Mike <laughs> walks towards Reggie's overturned car, truck, ice cream truck. No. Is Reggie dead? <gasps> no. Reggie is not anywhere in sight. The only thing that is left. Oh, sorry. The only thing left at the scene is a handprint, a yellow handprint and an unlocked ice box. No. Mike returns to the car and jumps in the back seat. Reggie's gone and he's frantic and the girls have no idea what the fuck is going on. Mike says, we need to get the hell out of here right now. And the girls, dazed and confused, look back at him and say, Mike, what's happening? Just tell us now. We're really annoying because we don't know what's going on and you're panic fucking stricken (laughs) and suddenly they start hearing little noises little scratches little growls and mike says don't open that door 
And obviously one of the blonde women opens the doors and suddenly the car is filled with little people. The little people jump inside of the car. Mike jumps out of the car. The car drives off with Sally and Susie and the little people. And um, I hear that they go and uh, they get eloped together. Mm, Double date. (laughs) Joking. But anyways, Mike is once again running through the street. The PTSD is just filling, 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 filling him up. Mm -hmm. Well, our boy Mike makes it home to Jody and is like, bro, your plan sucked dick. They now have Sally. They have Susie and they have Reggie up at Morningside, a.k.a. Morninggate, a.k.a. Morningwood. He sits on Mm -hmm. his older brother's lap and cries silently for a little while before Jody requests the boy go to his room at this mike has an absolute shit fit he is saying he won't let his brother go up there alone like fuck that stuff uh they start to wrestle before jody picks the kid up and carries him up to time out and mike has these choice words for his brother So I don't know why the scene made me laugh so much. It's like a loving threat. And I guess that that is also my love language. So I get it, Mike. It's just so you know, good. He's like threatening this- him like, you're going to fucking die up there, you son of a bitch. Yeah. How dare you go and die, you fucking piece of shit. Everybody's <laughs> dying and leaving me. <laughs> I'm annoyed. But you know what? This, this movie is very, um, it's very Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very much the children are never fucking believed. Mm-hmm. And the parents and the adults think they know everything, but yeah. really, we really know who the true heroes are going to be in the film. Yeah, the and kids the have children. to do all of it, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything right now because Jody uses a screwdriver and hammers it into the door and locks his little brother in his room. After Mike tuckers himself out from kicking and hitting the door, he sits at his desk, pulls out a single shotgun shell from his breast pocket and proceeds to MacGyver a homemade bomb situation (laughs) out of the gunpowder, scotch tape, and a hammer, which he uses to, hold on, I'm going to (coughs) cough, uses to, I don't know, blow a hole in the door or blow the doorknob off. Or anyways, the kid's brilliant, but what the actual fuck? So, so my favorite, my favorite thing is like, he just blows a hole beside where the uh, handle is. Yeah. So like it has absolutely no effect on the locked door. Yeah. It's just like to the right of the doorknob. And I, I also, when he first started making that, mm-hmm. I thought he was even smarter than he actually turns out to be. Cause I thought he was like convinced at this point that tall man is vampire. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and he was like creating his own like silver bullet hammer. Man, I wouldn't have wasted that weapon on the door. I would have, you know, waited for the tall man to come here and I would have hit him in the head with that exploding hammer. Exactly. Come on, man. Just make several. Go to the fucking store. Buy several hammers, several nails, several several bullets. bullets. (laughs) Just put them in your backpack and hope that none of them hit each other. (laughs) Wrap them in a sock. The backpack can be very heavy, but it's worth it. Oh my god, I'm now picturing like um, you know how they have like those bullet vests, like it just goes mm-hmm. across you like sideways. But it's hammer. I just picture that, but it's just like hammers with like pre-made bullet uh fucking nails. I love it. 
So our boy Mike escapes his room. He equips himself with a handgun as he flies out the door he or to the door. He whips it open and people in the theaters in 1979 probably screamed and shit their pants a little bit as he nearly runs right into tall Mac daddy himself. The tall <laughs> man bellows out, I've been waiting for you and opens his large hand in the air for a moment before grabbing Mike's denim shoulder. He drags the boy out of the house like a sack of potatoes and throws him into the back of the infamous hearse. Back at Morningside, we see Jody's hot rod pulling up, and the hearse isn't far behind. As it speeds down the road, Mike kicks at the back window, but it doesn't break. So he pulls his little pea shooter out, get your brains out of the gutter, and he blasts mm -hmm. the window and then also somehow aims perfectly from inside the car and hits the back wheel with his gun. Like, I just, I don't know, but he does it somehow. They're American. They're um, born to shoot. Born to shoot. So he dives out of the corpse trunk and hits the pavement. And I'd like to mention that this is the second time this night that this 13-year-old has escaped from a speeding car going down the road without breaking a bone or getting road rash or peeling his entire face off. So good for you, Mike. You're good at what that's, you're doing. <laughs> that's why we should, well, I'm sure they probably do. That's why we should be training children at a very young age to be to spies and assassins and whatnot, because that's whenever their bones are most bendable. Yes, exactly. They're basically just rubber balls ready to be shot out of cannons at any point. <laughs> So, anyways, the hearse ball ready to be shot out of a magical case and implanted into your brain. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Little prongs, because sold separately. So, I guess when Mike uh, had hit the tire and rolled out of the car, the hearse ends up veering into a pole and it fucking explodes. Like I'm talking about. <laughs> Like the tall man must have gassed up with rocket fuel by accident because the hearse vaporizes itself. It's just... Which we know, based off of Mythbusters, doesn't actually happen. <laughs> it's true. So Jody, who is somehow only a mere block away from this explosion, doesn't hear shit. He's too busy grave, grave robbing his own parents' crypt. He braces himself as he slowly opens the coffin lid. His eyes are closed and tilted away. Hold on, my microphone is falling towards me and getting closer. We need to fix that. It's haunted. <laughs> no, just my big fat body is making it lean towards me. There we go. Your mic just approaches you and then starts pulling your ass out of your pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna read you that part so somehow jody a mere block away from this explosion doesn't hear shit he is too busy grave robbing his own parents crypt he braces himself as he slowly starts opening the coffin lid his eyes closed and head tilted away he's genuinely making tommy Wiseau's still coming face if you know you know still coming Still coming, but unable to Still look, coming. he dropped the lid and I'm like, boo, you bitch. Let us see. Let us see what's in there. Now we flash to Mike, who is entering the funeral home from the front door this time. When, enter futuristic robotic noise, everything goes duotone black and red. What the fuck is happening? 
we get a POV shot of the flying silver space ball of death. I forgot about the top-notch funerary security system. Intruder alert, bitch. Our shiny friend starts patrolling the halls. Back at the coffin, Jody just left in the middle of the fucking floor. Mike approaches it, drops his knees, and says, Sorry, daddy, but we had to. He decides to not be a bitch, and he opens the casket before screeching in terror. Not because of what's within it, but because of what isn't. The coffin is empty, baby. That means that the tall man made daddy a little ghoul. So Mike takes off, but stops abruptly when he sees the maniac pinball flying towards him with its little prongs out. Luckily, Jody comes out of nowhere and Annie Oakley's single shot takes the orb out. It explodes in a red, bloody mist. R.I.P. to the little ghoul that's driving that thing or whatever I said earlier, the little gremlin. (laughs) Plot twist, the balls are actually like whatever planet that he's from (laughs) version of dogs. They're just like our dogs. (laughs) Does no. the dog die? I guess so. The silver ball dog dies. No, R.I.B. So Mike tries to tell Jody about this whole empty coffin bullshit, but it, like he kind of mumbles, you know what? Forget it for no reason. Like maybe he should be telling his brother that, but maybe he's also concussed from rolling out of a car twice tonight. So his swollen little brain just can't be bothered. He does, however, tell Jody about some special door that he thinks there's something of value behind, and he leads him to the hallway that he had fought the zombie cowboy in earlier in the movie. And there is a big black door with some haunted marble carvings above it. Now, as they go to open it, fucking Reggie jumps behind them, because why is anyone approaching each other calmly in this movie? Everybody has a gun, and yet we are popping out like it's no problem. Jody, I wish Reggie would pop me. (laughs) I wish he would pop a squat over my face. (laughs) Anyways. An Alabama hot pocket. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Shout out to Flurry. I know. Shut up, Flurry. Oh, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of the recipe. So Jody monotonously asks Reggie, what is going on? And Reggie says, no clue, but he's been hiding in a casket playing dead for hours. But don't worry. He found the girls and even some other girls he's never seen before and snuck them out a window. Now for Reggie's what? He's always finding the girls. He's always finding the girls. He and probably for what- fucked all of them. Yes, he probably did, but also for whatever fucking reason, he did not follow them out of the window and then just laid in a coffin until the boys got there. Like, what plan is that? Maybe he was like, um, what's the word? Like it, like a better word for tired. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm uh, weary, and he just took a nap. <laughs> oh, I just need to catch my breath. All of this ice cream excitement. So to honor Reggie for his Maybe he's concussed. I mean, he did just have a terrible car accident. That is his true. Whole truck was That's turned true. upside down. It's true. His truck was turned upside down in the middle of the street. That is a completely fair statement. Everyone <laughs> needs to go to the hospital. They should not be going to sleep. Nobody should be going to sleep after their concussion. Don't do it. So anyways, to honor Reggie for his bravery, Jody pushes him towards the black door and says, Well, after you, my friend. What a great guy. Reggie says, fuck no, you be my guest. And he sends Jody ahead to try the creepy door. Now, we get a first person shot of the door opening. And then 
just matte black barrels. They are lining the wall, just stacked one on top of the other like undead kegs. On the other side of the room, in shining silver chrome, much like the flying ball, there are two poles side by side coming out of the floor. The three men look into the room in total confusion before walking in. Jody kneels in front of one keg and looks through a little window before muttering, Geez, dwarves! Now, fun fact, <laughs> the dwarves were played by children. Little Jawa children. And once again, children are taking jobs out of little people's <laughs> fucking pockets. It's true. Those kids are taking my job. <laughs> I want to be <laughs> short, you know, like... That could be me on my knees with some knee pads, you goddamn kids. So Mike heads towards these weird shining silver spokes and he reaches out into the space between them, I guess out of instinct, and realizes his fucking hand disappears. He pulls the vanished hand back and covers it with the other to kind of soothe it. I don't know if it actually hurt or if it's he's just shocked and like, what the fuck? But as he's rubbing his hand, he has a flashback to his time at the fortune tellers when he was holding his hand in pain and was told, do not fear. Emboldened by this memory, he fucking somersaults into the void. Everything goes that weird red, black duotone. Yeah, why not, bro? YOLO. And he seemingly falls and falls and falls into nothingness. Below him, in what I can only describe as a Mars-like other dimension that looks like a Star Wars place. Jamie knows the name. The Tatooine. There we go. The undead dwarves are busying themselves with some of the kegs, forming a long line towards an unknown destination. Now, back up at Mike, who should technically be falling, but isn't. You see a hand behind him holding his clothing. He is then ripped back into his dimension by Reg and his brother, the men are rightfully confused, like Mike just disappeared, but Mike comes to with an answer. Slaves. What? Slaves. They're using them for slaves. The dwarves. And they gotta crush them because of the gravity. Um, upon further thinking, I think that the planet actually res um, resembles um, Mustafar or Mustafar, which is the molten outer rim planet um, known mostly for lava mining in Star Wars. It's where we see Anakin fight Obi-Wan and he's like, you are my brother. <laughs> and his legs are on fire in the lava. I think it's yes, more like that planet. It is because it is very red, dusty, and mean and smoky. Like it does seem mm -hmm. more volcanic. So, anyways, whatever the fuck Mike was talking about seems to make sense to Reggie because he says, Oh shit, well then these guys are all ready to go and points to the kegs in the back of the room. <laughs> oh, Reggie. And then the lights go black. Um, I don't understand men. I'm just going to say that if if this were, say, you and me, Mel, the second it went dark, I'm out of there. I I would be linking arms with you. Mm -hmm. Music festival style, yes. never letting go. But no, not our guys. Suddenly, Jody's outside with the shotgun. <laughs> Mike is who knows where. And poor Reggie 
is left in the ridiculously clean white Megan is missing room. <laughs> it's so sterile. It's so sterile. And there's just teenage girls who talk to men on the internet in barrels everywhere. But seriously, I want to see the Build-A-Dwarf room where they take mm. out the red stuff and put in the yellow stuff yes. and cut off half of their legs. Where's that room? I want the mustard and ketchup room too. Maybe in the next film. <gasps> Girl. <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote that before I watched the next okay, film. Okay, yes, I understand. <laughs> we do get to see a little bit more, though. I will say that. Okay, I'm watching them all, so. We are back with the true hero of the film and the franchise, in my opinion, Reggie. 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 And while listening to the soft hum of the Hell Space Transporter, he has a flashback to better times. Sitting <laughs> on the porch, jamming out with Jody, without a doot, doot, and doomsday care in the world. <laughs> I swear to God. We see, we see him in mid-tune of his guitar, and he has a light bulb moment. And with very little hesitation, Reggie begins to place his hands on the two silver monoliths. And I'm suddenly brought back to the year of 2020, uh, the year of the virus and the mysterious Utah monoliths. What happened to those? They disappeared. Nobody ever I cared? Think, Nobody cared? I think that I think that it was probably the Mormons. Aliens. The Mormons. Mormon. They're the same thing, right? Mammalian. Don't they believe in aliens? Yeah, Mammalian. Sure. Mammalian. <laughs> monoliths from the Mammalians. All right. We get a brief glimpse of Jody about to be stabbed by the lavender tall man. And he's suddenly halted as they appear to be affected by reggie's soft caress and with that soft caress comes an unrelenting wind and everyone is running around and yelling into the void now mel i hear you have a fun fact about this wind i do have a very fun fact about this wind now after reggie opens the gate and the canisters begin getting sucked into space and flying everywhere you can see a red welt on top of the actor's head and this was the result of one of those canisters hitting him in an earlier take the poor guy had to keep working. Like, we want to talk about concussions on the set of Phantasm. Everyone's brains are all swaddled up. Yeah. Reggie, this is why he is the hardest working man in horror. He is. We love him. Now, Reggie makes his escape from the house only to come across a maiden in distress. And we all know he cannot resist saving yet another blonde bombshell. <laughs> is it Susie? Is it her friend? whose Sally. name I always forget, Sally. who ran away like little rabbits. As he turns her in his arms, she looks up at him, and in the world's slowest stab ever, Reggie is Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet. But instead of making minced meat of them, Mel has lovingly coined his death, Sexy Strawberry Sunday. R.I.P. And by the way, it was the Lavender Lady. That's who was laying down. A.K.A. <laughs> The tall man who pulled <laughs> who pulled Jody's butt out of his pants. Why? Out of, hey, out of all of the people, the tall man, yeah, <laughs> of all the people whose asses can be pulled out of their pants, why didn't the tall man want to pull Reggie's ass? He's the fucking sexiest <laughs> one of them all. Mm. Pull his ass one last time. I for want us. to see Reggie's ass. Reggie's ass. <laughs> Reggie's ass. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cry. Okay. We cut to Jody and Mike finding each other, and off they go to find Reggie. 
We cut back to Reggie, who's still slowly dying as the lavender lady is flashing back and forth between lady and tall man, like a glitch in the matrix. Mm. And we get a sick image of the house and the tall man standing over Reggie with the dagger. Definitely prime meme material. Let's make a note of that. And Reggie is dead again. Uh, again. <laughs> but for real this time. But uh, maybe not in the next movie. We'll see. We'll see. Mike wants to help him, but Jody says, nah, he dead. No. Because he's a doctor. Dr. Hair Helmet. <laughs> so instead of checking to see if their friend who has saved them several fucking times several now times. Yeah. is alive, the two jump into their car and as they drive away, the house behind them goes full poltergeist bye-bye. Yes. To be like honest. fucking car. Yes. To be honest, the last few minutes are serving. How do you do? I say, I see you fet. Oh, wait, sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> leave that, that in. You leave that in. <laughs> leave that in. That was yes you don't even know what i'm gonna say all right to be honest the last few minutes are serving how do you do i <laughs> see you've met my faithful handyman dun, dun, dun. <laughs> jody and mike return to their house or reggie's house we don't know where anybody lives in this movie where's myrtle and as they Myrtle and as they pull it to the driveway why do we get more and more unhinged as this fucking goes on okay as the as they return to the house and pull into the driveway we Jody presents another brilliant fucking plan it took him okay they drove home and then he stops and he's like now I have another plan yeah instead of just having the plan like pull into the parking lot for a minute I don't I know. know I don't know either now you can guess Jody's plan is once again him Leaving Mike again. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think maybe Jody set this whole fucking thing up because he wants Mike dead or yeah. he wants to pretend he died so he can go on his fucking married little way without having a brother stalking him. Hey, little brother, just stay in this little room by yourself. I'll keep trying to lock you in. It's like, maybe you should realize you guys are working pretty good together. Do that. How about how about you realize every time you leave Mike alone, the tall man comes for Mike? Yeah. How about that? Now, JD, Jody takes off to prepare the trap at the old mine shaft where he plans to. Reggie's the last he'll ever get. Because we're going to run that tall bastard straight down to hell. We cut back to Mike, who's walking around a very dark house, making sure everything is locked up tight. And once again, I'm asking myself, why don't they turn on the lights in every single room whenever things are scary? I know. That's Mike pulls do. open, right? When I get scared uh, and I'm watching horror movies by myself, I just turn on different lights uh, as I get more scared. Every light and I'm holding a weapon. Always. You know, I I still have a, a, a gun. A knife. A gun. I don't have a gun. <laughs> I do. I do. Just in case anybody's listening who wants to murder me. Um, I still have a knife lodged in my couch somewhere. And like I've moved the couch three times since then. And I have no idea where that knife is. It's in there somewhere. Oh, one of these so days good. I'm going to roll over and do it. I was going to say that's so good considering you sleep on the couch all the time. Like you're going to roll and be like, ow, what's that in my kidney? I was going to say like somebody's going to break in and I'm going to be like, wait, hold on. And I'm like shoving my arms in the fucking couch. Ow, ow, ow. Is it just slicing your own arm? And the guy's like, um, actually, I'm here to deliver your Amazon package. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've slit my own wrist and I'm bleeding out. <laughs> I love it. All right. 
Mike is walking around a very dark house, making sure everything is locked up tight. He pulls open the living room curtains and suddenly appears the sexiest home intruder of all time mm. who smashes, smashes the window with ease. Mike takes off down the hall, attempting to hide when the back door bursts open and it's the police. Just kidding. There are obviously no police in this fucked up little backwoods <laughs> town. No, it's the Sultan of Swing himself, the tall man. And he isn't messing around. He's throwing gang signs and shit. I fucking died when he dramatically pulled out the fucking Crips and West Side symbols. I swear <laughs> to God, we will make a, a meme out of it, okay? Add it to the list. Boy. Mike is running. He's suddenly outside of his house. He's running through the forest. He's getting stuck in the mud. There are graves popping out. There are ghoul arms popping out. We have flashes of the lavender lady in the woods just begging for him to come and let his ass out. <laughs> they are running towards what I assume is the mine shaft. And the tall man is actually running, which is really impressive. He runs really fast. He's got that leg length. I would never be able to keep up with him, even on his slowest day. Slow down, Bart. My legs don't know how to be as long as yours. As they're running, Mike suddenly jumps, and the tall man doesn't, and he falls into the mine shaft. No. Uh oh. The trap has been set. But will that keep him in? I don't know. But you know what might? <laughs> suddenly, boulders rolling down the hills, and a big boulder falls on top, and the tall man is trapped. Mike looks up, like, Where the fuck did that come from? And Jody is standing on top of the hill, cheering and celebrating, kind of like that scene in the breakfast breakfast club. It's just <laughs> the end. Also, night, also very night breed. Remember, you like you'd mentioned, like <gasps> the way that he was standing up very there, night very, breed. very heroic up at the top. Also, how did he dislodge a giant boulder? I don't need to know. No problem. He's got that Jody strength. Yes, but All you know what? Hair, it doesn't baby. matter. Doesn't matter if the boulder doesn't make sense, Mel, because nothing <laughs> makes sense. Nothing fucking makes sense in this fucking movie. Well, it's we about cut to not Mike. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like the celebration is over Mike is sleeping it's about to make less sense <laughs> cut from the celebration to Mike sleeping and cut to Mike now sitting around the fire talking to Reggie who's fucking dead but now Reggie's alive and I'm happy but no Reggie's alive but you know who isn't alive Jody Jody's dead that's what Reggie tells him uh, I swear to god so Mike is basically having a PTSD moment around the same fire that they were all sitting around mm -hmm. plotting this entire fucking mission, which apparently never happened. He's all in Mike's head. Jody died in a car crash years ago. I learned this from watching the other movies. He died before the parents died. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, you don't know this in the movie. I'm helping you guys out right now, okay? Jody died already, and Reggie is is Mike's guardian now. Reggie takes care of Mike, and the parents are dead. Jody's dead, but there was never a tall man. It was all in Mike's head. Mike is a crazy person, and uh, Reggie is, you know, trying to unpack that with him. And he says, you know what? Let's just get out of this house. Let's get out of this house. Let's hit the road. You and me, what do you say, Mike? 
go upstairs and get packed. Yeah, get packed for the fucking hospital around the corner, little Mikey. Like you're going to be in a little. Are you sure you haven't watched part two yet, Mel? Have you watched part two yet? No, I haven't. But it seems like holy shit. (laughs) Part two is a lot like Return to Oz. Okay, Okay, (laughs) let's just say it's like that. Okay. So Reggie says, "Let's get out of here." Do do and do. Mike goes upstairs to start packing, and as he's packing, he comes across a photo. A photo of his dear brother Jody, who passed away in a car accident years ago. Apparently. Yeah. But you know what? This isn't just some old photo of Jody. Oh, no, no, it is not. No, no, this no. fucking photo is magic. Ugh. Here's the scene, okay? We have my 90s child bedroom. Pink, baby pink everywhere. Okay. <laughs> baby pink linen, baby pink wall, baby pink headboard. We have a leather clad Jody laying on the bed with his electric guitar looking fucking punk rock as hell with his little Maltese poodle that I can only assume <laughs> sitting on his lap in the other arm. It, Where is this dog? Where That's the, the only question I have. I'm so happy it wasn't in the movie because I'd have been stressed out. Maybe it was in the car with him. No, don't say that. No, um, I was just going to say he was in the car. No. Anyways, does the dog die again? We're not really sure because there was a dog. Is there a dog? There's a dog in the photo, but there's no dog in the movie. Um, yeah. Well, but maybe it's for the best. The dog is probably a fucking dream anyways. That photo is a dream. If anything in this movie isn't real, it's that photo because that photo is exactly what I dream every single fucking night of my life. <laughs> okay and if you guys want to see this photo please head over to our instagram um at cheap horrors pod you can find it in the show notes because i will be posting this photo probably every day for the rest of our lives it is so good from now on from now on if anybody like if i have like a job interview or like my my new linkedin profile picture is that's your headshot please that That is my headshot and it's i'm the dog I'm the headboard. Okay, so, so really quickly, because a whole lot of shit just fucking happened and it's really confusing. Um, they conquered the tall man. Um, Mike woke up and in Reggie's alive, and none of this ever happened. And Jody's actually dead, and Reggie's Mike's caregiver, and Mike is an insane person, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Reggie's gonna take him for a little trip. I don't think this is actually gonna be a little trip. I have a feeling Reggie's gonna drop him off at the fucking mental asylum. It's, that's what I was getting at earlier i'm like yeah just pack up all of your padded walls boy like we're gonna go to a little vacation yeah and mike starts packing up we find the beautiful fucking photo from heaven Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) as mike continues to pack his bag he closes his door to well he closes his closet door or opens his bedroom door either one to exit to go on the little road trip and suddenly behind him in a mirror is who the tall man and as mike turns the mirror breaks and harry ghoul arms pull him into the abyss and we end there and you'll never find out anything unless you watch three more movies i think i need to i think i need to boy (laughs) boy all right mel i think we have about 15 minutes max maybe 10 what do you rate this film I rate this film now. I, I think we had mentioned in previous podcast episodes that I I never had seen it before we watched it for this mm-hmm. episode. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I never cared about it. I literally it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't even a blip. I was like, Phantasm. What is like an old man in a ball? I don't fucking get it, and I don't care. As I started watching it, it felt like a warm, 
comforting hug of a movie mm -hmm. I'd already seen. And there was a familiarity and like not too much to invest myself in and the weirdness and the disjointedness and the, the asshole, uh, of the ball bleeding somebody's head dry and diarrheaing mustard blood and all of that really brought this up to a 6.5 out of 10 for me. Amazing. My rating originally was six. Mm -hmm. That was whenever I did the first half. And then I raised it up to a 6.5 uh, <laughs> whenever we did our original part two. But now that I've watched the other films, which I still have like a couple more to go, but I watched the like first four now, mm -hmm. I'm raising it to a seven, I'm raising it to a seven Good. because I was still um, interested enough to continue to watch to the next film. Good. So yeah, we want answers. This film itself, this film itself is confusing as fuck. Okay, I still don't know, even after watching all form films, exactly what's going on. But the ride that it's taking me on is a good one. It is all that I need. Realistically, I mean, come on, guys, like you're talking to two girls that will just watch two be horror movies that nobody would even fucking look at ever again. This is solid gold. Mm -hmm. It's true. <laughs> this is high quality fucking cinema. Okay. Very Anyways, so. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, and um, I've officially changed my position on Phantasm. It only took me 37 years. Well, I mean, I didn't watch it whenever I was, like, in the womb, but it took me 37 years, but I'm finally, I think I'm a Phantasm head. A, a fan, yes. F, wait, that's how it's I'm spelled. A, it. Yeah, F-A-N-Tasm head. I am a Phantasm fan, P-H. <laughs> All right, well, I've got two fun facts left um, for this film before we head out and finally call it a wrap on part two of part two. Oh. So the song, The Ace of Spades by Motorhead, was released the year after this movie and is reported to have its origins in the film. At a New York screening of the movie, Lemmy was heard to have muttered that Mike's head looked like the Ace of Spades and then spent <laughs> much of the rest of the film writing out the lyrics in a notepad. He used the pencil, so he, Lemmy, used the pencil that had been given to him earlier that day by David Soule, the actor who plays Ben Mears in Salem's Lot. That's the guy who is sitting in the chair Batman. with the glowing eyes. Yes, very, very sexual to me. Now, mm -hmm. another fun fact, it wasn't decided until late in the production to have the Lady in Lavender be the incarnation of the tall man. Don Cosarelli remembers this was a revelation for actress Katie Lester as well. It was a revelation for me too, says Angus Scrim. Michael Baldwin, so Mike, jokes that Scrim still has the lavender dress to this day. <laughs> Fuck, the dress. Fuck, the, Fuck dress. the dress. Fuck the dress. <laughs> Fuck the dress. If you know, you know. Um, okay, well, amazing i love all of those facts i feel like there's unlimited facts when it comes to this movie we could go on for days and you know what i'm happy to put it to a rest right now but definitely mel we are going to cover the other phantasms in the future as long as we can get through the last fucking three films of our spring onto the slab as we enter into spring again well, that's a wrap on Phantasm Part 2, Part 2. Thank you so much, Technical Difficulties. Jamie, do you want to let everybody know what we have coming up in the pipeline? 
Yes, now that we have finished Phantasm, we only have three more movies to spring onto the slab. I'm calling it spring into the slab because we are going to be springing, or wait, slab into the spring, maybe? Because <laughs> by the time we're done these three movies, it'll it's be gonna past be Christmas. Girl, it's going to be spring again, so it all makes sense. <laughs> and then once again, we're never picking any movie ever again. No, no never ahead of time. Okay. So coming up next, we will be doing the high budget um, <laughs> fan favorite known by all horror fanatics, Shark Exorcist 2015. Oh, my. I've watched God. approximately three minutes of it so far, and mm. I'm hooked. <laughs> I'll be playing so for you at the end of this episode if you stay tuned. Yes. The trailer. And if you don't want to listen to it because you like to be surprised, just stop when we stop talking yeah that's perfect that sounds really good to me all right well do you want to try our new sign off <laughs> i do i do i do okay we're still working on things guys but for now when those blockbuster films aren't what you paid for you can always count on two cheap whores <laughs> bye bye all right, we did it. Live from Paris Landing, where for the past week, swimmers have been terrorized by a bizarre series of brutal shark attacks. There is one creature on Earth not created by God. There is only one man who can stop evil. We're not talking about a normal shark here. The only thing more terrifying than a shark in the sea is a shark in a she. Satan has jaws. Shark Exorcist. <laughs>